This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. What's up, Fulio? Fulio, what is this? A phone call? That's how you answer every time I call. <laughs> I know, but I never do it on the podcast. So, <laughs> so you just want to throw me off? All right, thanks. Yeah, totally. Although we end this with "I love you" and "bye," so it is like a phone call. Yeah, the kids still say Fulio, right? Um, yeah, they must. What else would they be saying? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If there's any youths out there, let us know if you're not saying Fulio anymore. But we think. Well, obviously, we're not youths if you call them youths. Well, us youths say that. Yeah. Anyway, hi guys. We know it's not Wednesday, but we warned you that our uploads were going to be pretty sporadic the next couple weeks. So yeah, you know, it's the holiday season. What can they expect? Yeah, and we couldn't let Tony down. She has a six and a half hour drive to Tahoe today, so we thought we would make at least a half hour of it better for her. Hey, Tony, we're trying. This is our thing now. I guess we take requests from people who are going on road trips, and we make little episodes for them. That's great. With Molly last week, Tony this week. She didn't mention why she was going to Tahoe though, but I hope she brought a coat because it's supposed to be like 17 <laughs> degrees there so great advice yeah if you're going to tahoe in december take a coat or don't go or don't go <laughs> no tahoe probably is beautiful in december I, th- I think definitely go and take pictures and share them with us yeah tag us in them yeah i hope she's just at a lodge though like with a fireplace and a heater <laughs> i hope she's outside exploring oh god Grant. Anyway, <laughs> the case that we're going to be doing this week is not old or cold, unlike Tahoe. <laughs> it's a very recent case, and it's important to kind of like get the word out because it's not very old. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Daniel Robinson, and he was only 24 years old in June of 2021, and he lived in Tempe, Arizona, but he was from Charleston, South Carolina. He hadn't lived in Arizona for very long, and Daniel was a special guy. He was real smart, and he was actually born without his right hand, Hmm. but that didn't slow him down at all. He had a prosthetic, and he played the trumpet and the French horn, the trombone. He was- Oh, that's dope. Yeah, he was athletic. He played football and basketball. He was a really well-rounded kid. He was the youngest of his four siblings from his mom and dad. His dad ended up having another child after his parents split up, so he had as a younger half-sister also. But their family seems really tight-knit. He was close with his parents and his brother and sisters. And like I said, he wore a prosthetic on his hand when he was younger, but according to his mom, by the time he was in his teens, he just kind of quit wearing it. He was real confident in himself, and he was just like, this is who I am. That's awesome. Yeah, so he was a pretty social guy, and he graduated high school with honors. His social life even flourished more in college, and he studied geology. He also graduated college with honors and landed a job in phoenix as a geologist (laughs) sweet dude geologists are cool yeah you i was thinking about i was like i don't know any geologists like that's yeah i don't know a single geologist uh but i think that's awesome the study of rocks and stuff rocks can tell us so much about the earth so and a lot of them have like healing powers apparently 
ask the wizards in our life, they'll tell you. Yeah. Ellen knows all about it. That's what I was getting oh. at. That's why I said the wizards I was like, in yeah. our life. Oh, yeah. Oh, she is a wizard now. Congratulations, Ella. Love you. Anyway. Yeah, she just got advanced Reiki ma- uh, training, so full-on wizard. Yeah. So Daniel worked with a company that did like soil sampling for water. In Arizona, they have to drill for water like in wells way down in the earth because they don't have any water. Sure. The desert. So he did sampling of that water to make sure it was like drinkable or whatever kind of things were in it. And his sister already lived in Phoenix, one of his older sisters, and another sister lived in California. So that made like moving across the country a little bit easier for Daniel. Yeah, for sure. So on the morning of June 23rd, 2021, so just last year, he headed out of Phoenix into the desert to a job site near Buckeye. It was common for the well sites that he worked at to be kind of out in remote sections of the desert, but he was prepared. He had cases of water in his Jeep. He knew what he was doing. He'd done this before. And when he arrived at the job site that morning, he met a guy named Ken that he would be working with that day. And I guess Ken works for like a different company, but they were working together on this well site. So he had never met him before. It was just like, hey, I'm here to do this and you're here to do that. And according to Ken, after he and Daniel said their pleasantries and met up at the site, the weather was starting to turn bad. And he said that Daniel had a distant look in his eye as he stared out at the desert. He mentioned sitting in their cars to wait out the rain so they didn't get their paperwork all wet. And he says then Daniel just got in his car and drove off. I mean, what else was he going to do? Well, they had a job to do. Well, they had a job to do, but wasn't he, he wasn't done with his part. No, they hadn't even started yet. It started raining. And so they were going to just sit in their cars and wait out, you know, let the monsoon pass. They're usually really quick. You know, they're like 15 minute storms and then they keep going. Right. And Daniel just drove off. So Ken waited a while and then he says he contacted the principal at the firm. And I don't know if this firm is the company he works for, the company Daniel works for. I'm not sure. That's part's not very clear. But they couldn't get a hold of him. They tried all day and they couldn't get a hold of him. So Ken leaves the job site and he says that the only tracks in the dirt that he could see were Daniel's because the storm had washed away all the other tracks. And at the fork in the road where you would go east to go back to Phoenix, he says Daniel's tracks turned west into the desert. And Daniel has not been seen or heard from since. He just went and disappeared and that was it? Yep. Huh. So by that afternoon, when his job hadn't heard from him, they contacted Daniel's family. Sure. And was like, hey, do you guys know where he is? And they didn't. And they were like, that's not like him. He's super responsible. He's, you know, a hardworking guy. It's not like him to just leave a job site and not let anybody know where he is. So they knew something was up right away. And his mom was calling and texting him all night. His phone rang at first, but then eventually went straight to voicemail like it had died. Right. So his dad reported him missing to the Buckeye Police Department. And they drove down Sun Valley Parkway, which is like the road out to this area, to see if he had just like gotten stuck or broke down on the side of the road but he was not there and like his car wasn't anywhere to be found either no i mean obviously that's the interesting thing like where where's his car you know i can understand him disappearing but cars don't just disappear right so early the next morning his dad got in his car and drove from south carolina to arizona oh my gosh yeah and his dad is retired military in an interview that I saw with him, he gives tons of interviews. So in an interview that I saw with him, he said that he made finding Daniel a mission. He put his emotions aside and all of his stuff. And he's like, I have to find my son. This is my mission. When I say mission, I mean mission. This man is the gold standard for how missing people should be searched for. He is relentless. And we'll get 
into some of that later on, but for weeks, his dad and his sister and some of their friends searched for Daniel in the desert. They just went out and started searching. You got to take a car or like a ATV or something. Like you're not doing this on foot. No, I mean, they took their cars and, their, and they rented ATVs and stuff like that, but they just went out and looked and they tried to get the word out on social media. They started a YouTube channel. They passed oh out gosh. flyers in and around Phoenix. Yeah, they just went hard at well, trying I mean, to find Daniel. Thankfully, I mean, this is how we know people who are missing, like because the families, you know, and sometimes the law enforcement, but it's almost always the families really push to have this stuff well known. So I'm I'm glad. Yeah, big time. So during this time, the police do a wellness check at Daniel's apartment. And unfortunately, his sister didn't have like a spare key or anything and neither did his dad. So. They had to get the landlords to let him in. The landlords really were kind of like, yeah, we we really shouldn't. It was kind of wishy-washy at the beginning, but they finally decided to let the police in if they didn't touch anything, just to, like, see what they could see. Huh. Why? I mean, this guy's missing. Like, they know that they're missing. His family's saying that they're missing. Like, the the police are there. Yeah, but you know how serious they take it at the beginning when an adult goes missing. Even the police were like, yeah, we'll do a wellness check, but, like... You know, mm, he's okay. an adult. He's allowed to go missing. Yeah. You know, I, are adults really allowed to go missing like this, though? I mean, I guess they are like if they really want to. But like legally. Yeah. We got to know where these people are. We got to know where people are. I know. But going into his apartment really kind of raised more questions than answers because there's differing opinions on what was found in his apartment. According to some people, his apartment was messy and in disarray and it showed signs of somebody who was depressed. Or going through something. But then according to other people, it was a 24-year-old guy who was living on his own for probably the first time, just not being that neat. Yeah, and that's that's pretty common stuff. In interviews and stuff, you hear his mom and his brother, and they're like, yeah, he was not the most organized, but he never really lived like that. It's like, yeah, because he always lived with his mom, who probably made him <laughs> clean his room. Yeah. Or at college, where he lived with roommates. Like, he was on his own. So it may have been a sign of his mental health, but it may not have been, too. It may just have been he wasn't very neat. Could have for sure yeah but this is where like the first signs of maybe some of the law enforcement and other people being like well maybe he was going through some stuff and just kind of walked away and you know that whole thing which is pretty unlikely when you're that close with your family even if you're going through some stuff like is it are you really just gonna walk out into the desert i mean very unlikely you know like that yeah i can't imagine this is something that happens very often i know it's always kind of a theory when it is in vegas or arizona or nevada you know or uh, new mexico anywhere there is a is a desert but it's also unlikely i just i don't know if that's if that really happens that much i know that's always the theory but like does that actually happen i don't know Anyway, they start to look more into his social media and his personal life, things like that. He had a friend visit the weekend before. His friend said he was fine. It was a friend from college that he hadn't seen in like a year. And his friend said he was in good spirits. Everything was fine. They found out that he was working a part-time job at DoorDash. No, Instacart. And he had met a girl a couple of weeks before when he had delivered wine to her one night. And she like invited him inside and they kind of hung out and just kind of started texting and talking. 
And so they interviewed that girl like, hey, do you know where he is? And there's been some weirdness on that, that she said he was a little more interested in her than she was in him and that things got a little weird and she had broken it off. So that's another indication that people think his mental health might have been struggling a little bit was that didn't end the way he wanted it to end. Yeah. And rejection does really can take a a big toll on a lot of people for sure. So but his family who had talked to him, you know, a day before he went missing said he didn't even mention it, you know, or he didn't mention it as far as it being like devastating to him. Yeah, I can. I think I can understand that, though. I mean, I don't think it sounds like it was a little bit more casual than serious, you know, maybe at least on one end than the other. I mean, I know I personally wouldn't have talked about anyone I was dating with my family until it was like pretty serious stuff. Exactly. So we don't know the whole story on that. And there are text messages exchanged and things like that. But it's there's some iffiness about whether the whole conversation because it doesn't really make sense. The text messages that the police received from her. It seems like only half of the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I don't know. I don't put a whole lot into that, but it's another thing that happened right before he went missing. So they're trying to put all these pieces together. They found out looking at his Instagram that he also deleted all the pictures on his Instagram. And they thought that was a little weird too. Like, why did he delete all of his Instagram photos? I don't have an, an answer for that one. That is kind of weird. I know that some people kind of go through that sometimes. Like, they just up and delete everything. But mm-hmm. it is kind of weird behavior, you know? Like, it's not something I think is a common thing to do. No, but I will say that it does happen. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it happens by accident. Remember when your Instagram got deleted? Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was kind of starting to think. I was like, yeah, you know, mine same thing happened like I was just logged in one day and it was and it was gone yeah so maybe he didn't do it maybe it was just a glitch of some you know who knows but this would be really really like coincidental timing yeah of course but I'm just giving you all the things we know but yeah it it could mean nothing or it could be huge you know I have no idea so Daniel's dad and his sister start a GoFundMe around this time and they organize volunteer searches of the desert like they literally get people to come out to the desert in the summer and just search the desert around the job site where he went missing that's that's pretty i mean good for them that's that's huge dedication yeah absolutely yeah because i mean it could be 110 degrees 120 degrees like that's crazy (laughs) easily yeah But they do it. I mean, they organize ATV rentals, drones, helicopters, the whole shebang. Like, they go Drones. I didn't even think about that. But, man, drones are such a great tool, usually, unless they're flying over, like, my backyard. Then I want to shoot them down. But other than that, like, that's (laughs) huge. That's a huge advantage that, obviously, we, we didn't have years ago. So, that's awesome. I'm glad... I'm glad that's what we're using them for some good. Yeah. So, and like I said, David is, that's Daniel's dad. He is super committed to finding his son. He says he's not going to leave Arizona until he finds him. Like, that's it. He's got to get his son. So the police have the Civil Air Patrol do aerial searches for Daniel or his car. You know, if he did just drive out into the middle of the desert, where the hell is his Jeep? That's exactly what I was saying earlier is like, I can understand him just kind of disappearing. And there's even probably explanations, you know, animal predation or whatever, like covered in dust or dirt. Right. But coyotes aren't going to eat a Jeep. Right. Exactly. Like. What happened here? Like, where did his Jeep go? So they don't find anything. And then a month after he goes missing, a rancher comes across his Jeep three miles from the job site. Like, it's not even that far. 
Like, how was it missed? Right. I don't know. Was it in like a corn? You know, couldn't have been. I was going to say, was it in a cornfield or something? But corn didn't grow in no. Arizona. It's in the desert. Right. It was literally at the bottom of like a, a small little like downhill. Like they call it a ravine. But if you know the desert, like sometimes it goes down and then back up and down and up. And it was in a small ravine on its side. The airbags were deployed and the sunroof was kicked out. Oh, Okay. There was no blood in the car, and the cases of water, his phone, his car keys, everything were still in the car. Oh, okay. But outside of the car, they found his clothes and his shoes scattered all around, but still no Daniel. I mean, it's starting. To, it is starting to sound more and more like maybe a mental health episode is, is the likely scenario with all this, right? Like, with all that that's going on, doesn't it sound like that to you? Like, someone in their right mind would have at least... Done something with the water, probably, you know, taking a couple bottles with them if they're going or, you know, at least not taking their shoes off. Yeah. The police theory, according to Daniel's dad, was that he rolled it, got a head injury and mm, okay. wandered away from the car and didn't survive the harsh desert environment. Mm. But that doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't. I mean, why not? Because up until that point, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. But at this point, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, why? What was the first part? Why did he leave to begin with? Yeah. Okay. Let's pretend that the crazy amount of ground and aerial searches that they did for the last month yeah. missed this blue Jeep in the brown desert, which yeah. is pretty hard to believe. But why in the hell would he crash his car, bonk his head, just say that was an accident? Why would he strip naked and walk away from his car where he had a cell phone, two cases of water? And if he did do that, just say because the head injury was so bad, he was that loopy or something. Why has his body not been found? Wouldn't his body be somewhere near the car? I mean, not necessarily. Like, you know, he could have gone for a while. He could have just kept walking for a few days at least. You can't last a few days in the desert without water in June. It's not possible. Yeah, you're right. Damn. And if his head injury was that bad where he didn't take the water and he stripped all of his clothes off, you know what I'm saying? Like, But why else? You know, I mean, okay, head injury, that's yeah. one. And then, I mean, mental illness, that that's number two. But, like, even if somebody was, like, chasing him or there was something else going on he wouldn't he wouldn't need to do any Strip of those naked things. right exactly so it makes me really think that there was something going on in his head one way or another be it before he left the job site or you know because of the accident yeah but even if it was that's what i'm saying even if it was why has his body not been found then yeah no that's a great question like it isn't for lack of trying because Daniel's dad realized right away that he wasn't going to get the help from law enforcement that he felt like he should. So when he figured this out, he did his own investigation. He hired a PI and a crash reconstruction expert because he didn't like oh. that. He's like, that answer from the police doesn't make sense. Who knew there was even such a thing as a trash reconstruction expert? A crash. What did I say? You said trash. Oh, well, I meant crash. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I did mean crash. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they reconstruct car crashes to see what happened. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So the expert determined that the car was going 29 miles an hour when the airbags went off. And then the ignition turned over a bunch more times and the car was driven 11 more miles after the airbags went off. Oh, well, that's important to know. Yeah. And he got that information based on like what they call the black box of the car, whatever. It's some airbag reporting system or something. But yeah, sure. he went out and tried to recreate this and he couldn't go that fast in that terrain. 
29 miles an hour is really fast when you're not on a road. And in, he's in sand at this point, I'm assuming. Yeah, dirt and sand yeah. with bushes everywhere. You know, the right. the, full, the bushes in the desert and stuff. You just can't go that fast. He said he could only get his car up to like 15. Huh. And then he even tried it on an ATV in that area and could only get it up to like 20. So what's his theory on that? Like, does he think that it was like towed to that location? Well, I don't know what his theory is, but it drove 11 miles after the airbags went off, so... Which I get, but, I mean, to go that fast... I think the implication is that it was crashed somewhere else, and then it was driven to that location and rolled down that ravine, I think is the, the thought process there, but that also doesn't make that much sense either, because Daniel's clothes were all scattered around it, so did somebody throw his clothes after it? I don't, I don't know. Somebody, like strip him naked or something like this doesn't make a ton of sense you're right none of it none of it adds up that's the crazy thing about the story but like i said daniel's dad was just trying to get all the eyes on this he could he hired the pi the crash investigator guy still trying to put together searches and do all that kind of stuff and then three months after daniel went missing the gabby petito case hit the news Oh, so let's just put that on the back burner or put this on the back burner. Well, this was never really on the front burner was the problem. David was like, well, that's great that the whole world is looking for Gabby, but why hasn't my son's case gotten that much attention or any national attention for that matter? He had had some success locally in Phoenix, but nothing national. So he was like, well, I got to get this on national news. So he made it his mission to get the word out about his son. He's like, hey, Gabby Petito isn't the only missing person in the world. Like, (laughs) Please look for my son, too. So he was successful, though, with this campaign. Like, he got Daniel's case on Dateline. He got it on an episode of Disappeared on ID. Like, he's gotten national attention for Daniel's case, which is fantastic. That's huge. I mean, being able to get national attention like that is just absolutely huge. And we've seen it, you know, in the John List case, you know, getting national attention, looking for this guy in America's Most Wanted. They were able to find him. So maybe, hopefully, something similar, obviously, America's not on America's Most Wanted, but something similar can ignite somebody or maybe someone can say, hey, I saw that guy. But I mean, honestly, it doesn't sound like he got very far, right? It. Do- I mean, I to me, it does, because if he didn't get very far, they would have found him. So, yeah, uh, to me, it seems like he did. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, where is he? Where is his body? How come none of that has been found? I don't know. So his dad has a YouTube channel. He's all over social media. He does nonstop interviews, passing out flyers. Like, this is his full-time job to find his son. And he's not going to go home until he does. It's impressive. And it's commendable. I mean, you know, I think most parents would want to do this, whether or not they would or not. Is it a whole different story? Most of them can't. That's like he's lucky because he's retired. Right. But even still, I mean, he's got to keep his household in South Carolina going and now live in Arizona and do this full time. So he relies a lot on getting the word out and social media and the GoFundMe and stuff like that to help because this is not cheap. He organizes a search every Saturday. Really? Yeah. And he has to provide ATVs and drones and water water and food and everything for these volunteer searches. Dang. Where should we do this? Should they, we go on a Saturday and help him? Yeah, we should. Everybody yeah. should. Especially if you're in the Phoenix area. They map out grid searches and they cover as much as they can every weekend. Like they're like, okay, we're doing this grid this weekend. And like, I mean, it's real organized. That's incredible. I love that. Yeah. But they've not found Daniel or any sign of him. They've found other human remains of other missing people, which is tragic. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. 
but none of them have been Daniel. So they were able to give those families closure, but they still don't have any answers about Daniel. I mean, honestly, this is huge, though. Like, the fact that they're finding other people to close cases and still looking for his own. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah, well, it's a big search. I mean, like I said, they're searching the desert. They're not searching, like, a little area of the desert. They're, They're, like, searching the desert. So, and bad stuff happens in the desert. I mean, besides the elements alone, if you get lost or stranded out there, you're screwed if you don't have the right stuff. You know, it can be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. But also there's cartels, there's people who are out shooting guns and drinking and hunting and Mexican Americans <laughs> cooking <laughs> I things. It. I and, love it. You know, I mean, the, the desert can be sketchy. No, I've watched Breaking Bad. I know about people cooking meth in the desert. Yeah, but to this day, they have not found Daniel. So it is super possible that he isn't out there at all. It's super possible. And I mean, would you go as far to say it's even likely he's not out there anymore? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard, huh? I Yeah, I would probably say it isn't likely because I feel like it's not likely that that Jeep was there the whole time. I feel like that Jeep was put there after. How could they have been searching that specific area of the desert for a month and not see that Jeep? Absolutely. Only three miles away, too? No, I... Yeah. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, so I I think there's way more to this story. And if you guys think there's way more to this story, there is plenty on the, like I said, Daniel's dad gives lengthy interviews about this whole case. There's so much more to this case than what I've told you. I just gave you the gist. But there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stories that don't add up, a lot of timeline stuff that doesn't add up. So... I don't know. To me, it's very, I wouldn't go necessarily go likely, but it's very possible that he's not in the desert. I would say it's very possible he's not in the desert, too. Like, that's yeah. that's crazy stuff. Yeah. So Daniel is a black male, five foot eight, 25 years old, and he is missing his right hand. So if you think you've seen him, please call the Buckeye Police Department at 623-349-6411. And we'll put a link to David's GoFundMe for the searches and all that kind of stuff in our social media. I love that. I'm glad that we're that we're doing this. I'm glad that we're getting this case some more some more recognition. You know, I mean, that's why we said we wanted to do this was to get people talking about people who are missing and hopefully find them. This is awesome. And like this case has gotten a lot of national attention, but it could always get more. That's kind of how I feel about all the cases when people are like, oh, why are we like Gabby Petito? A lot of people were like, can we just stop with Gabby Petito? like, no, I think every missing person's case should be just like Gabby Petito. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like, I don't think they did anything wrong there. I think that's how it should be whenever anybody goes missing. And then we'd probably find a lot more people. Absolutely. You know, but I mean, I think I think the thing is, is a lot of people are very selfish and they don't care. You know, if it doesn't involve them or bother them, then quit talking to me about it. Which yeah. obviously is not what we agree with and not the correct way to go about it. Everybody needs a helping hand. So <laughs> This story does have a lot of uplifting parts, too, besides, you know, obviously the devastating fact that they still don't know where Daniel is or what happened to him. But the amount of people who have donated on the GoFundMe or gone out to the desert and searched, like physically searched the desert, found remains and bones and still go back every weekend and look for more. It's like a feel good thing that people are willing to do that. It's a super feel good. I I think that this is incredible and I obviously hope that they find him. And his dad now is trying to get other agencies to take over the case because Buckeye Police Department's pretty small and maybe doesn't have all the resources that... They probably should have put into this. But in an interview that I saw with him, he's trying to get Maricopa County or Tempe 
because his son lived in Tempe, to take it over, which are bigger agencies. So maybe that's something that might happen in the future. And if that does, you know, one of his things that he wants is forensics done on the car, on his clothes. Like, none of that was done. How the how has that not been done? Like Because there's no proof of a crime. It's in their eyes he rolled his car and walked away. There's no proof that anything bad happened. But even like a private investigator, like that's not something a a private investigator would try to get done. Although I'm sure adding that onto the already mountain of costs that come with it. Well, not just that. They don't have access to it. They don't have access to his car? No, they, I mean, even if they have access to it, it's if they found anything, it wouldn't be upheld in court because other people touched it. The chain of custody is all fucked up. It has to be done by the police department. Oh, man. Yeah. What a nightmare for this dad. Like, what? Like, yeah, otherwise, just... if there is some evidence in there, they'll never get a conviction. Yeah. This is a nightmare for this dad, though, in every way, shape, and form. For his whole family. His mom and his siblings, and yeah. I can't believe his dad is still in Arizona. It's been a year and a half. Yeah. But, I mean, what else is he supposed to do? Like, you know, this is his I kid. Know. Oh, I get it. And obviously, if <laughs> nobody else is going to go looking for him, he's going to be ha- have to be the one to do it. But And I know you said he was in the military. Is he retired military? Yes. I don't know what retirement from military is, but I don't think he's getting paid gobs of money, right? Like, probably does no. okay. No, and that's why the GoFundMe is so important, because he can't keep going at the pace he's going without help because he's trying to do this and still support his family in South Carolina. You know, he's got a home and children and everything in South Carolina. So He has more kids in South Carolina? Yeah. Oh. David is the most dedicated parent I have ever seen. Yeah. Like in a in one of these cases, I can't this man is like unstoppable. He's going to find his son. I mean, it sounds like it. How and when and where is going to be the the question. So do you think he starts expanding outside of the Arizona desert anytime soon? Not with searches. I mean, where are you going to look? That's exactly what I mean. Like, where else are you going to look? But But that's why he's getting the word out, like through flyers and social media and TV, because if Daniel is somewhere else alive, you know, he's going to be hard to miss. Yeah. He's got a couple of pretty unique features. Right. Yeah. He does stand out. So... Anyway, that's the case of Daniel Robinson. And like we said, we'll put a link to his GoFundMe on our social media and hope anybody that's in the Phoenix area can pass out flyers or go search the desert. Yeah, please. So, all right, guys. Well, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I don't know if we're going to upload next week or not because... Christmas is coming. Yeah. And I have my whole family coming in for the weekend for my nephew's birthday, so... Who else's birthday? Yeah. So it's going to be hit or miss next week, guys. We'll see. Because Monday is Erica's birthday... The 19th. And judging by our Fulio comment at the beginning, you can tell how old I am. (laughs) Obviously, we're not youths anymore. Uh, I'm still very much a youth. Maybe you aren't, but I'm still very much a youth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, drive safe, Tony. (laughs) Please get there safe, Tony. Let us know when you're there. Tag us in your your, uh, Tahoe photos. We'd love to see them. Yeah. And try (laughs) to stay warm and stay out of the woods for real. Yeah. Don't go missing. This isn't, we don't need another uh, Uba 5 thing happening. Yep. All right. Well, I love you. <laughs> All right. I love you too. Oh, don't forget to change your Amazon smile to DNA Dough Project. Oh, you that's right. You almost let me forget. I did almost let you forget. You're right. And obviously visit us on our Instagram at From Crime to Crime or our TikTok at From Crime to Crime, or you can send us an email at From Crime to Crime podcast at gmail.com. There we go. We got them all in. All right. All love right. you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.